Going it alone in your own business is a big step. It takes hard work and dedication, but can be incredibly rewarding when you get it right. But if you found yourself working long into the night, you might be beginning to think there has to be a way to achieve a better work-life balance and still stay as productive. If so, you're in the right place. I'm Kate Russell and this is In Good Company, a show full of SME chat with a slice of tech, brought to you by BT. You've read the books, you've heard how the superstar CEOs do it. Get up at 4am, fire off 30 emails, head off for a 5k run, meet the team, work through lunch, work through dinner, work through into the night, head to bed at midnight, squeeze in three hours sleep and then get ready to do it all again. Oh, and weekends? What's one of those? But putting in hundreds of hours doesn't guarantee success. And if you look beyond the hype, you'll find plenty of research that shows being more flexible and even reducing the amount of hours we work, as counterproductive as it sounds, can actually make us more productive. Take Henry Ford. Back in 1914, he cut workers' hours from nine to eight and business boomed. How could that be? Well, his staff were happier and felt more goodwill to the company, so they worked a little harder. One study shows when we're happier, we're 12% more productive. Of course, you can't just start working less because your business will always suffer. But maybe if you turn to tech, you'll find a helping hand. Yet again, I have to congratulate you on being in exactly the right place. As today, we'll be hearing from a couple of SMEs who are so balanced, you could use them as weighing scales. And one first-class expert in the field of flexible work. They're going to share with you the secrets of their success and how they use tech to create a more flexible working environment and get more done in less time. They're with me in the studio now. It's Laura Fullerton, founder and director of Fitty London. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to you. Uh, alongside Laura, we've got Nathan Ampofo and Edward Boone of A to B Assessments. Hi, guys. Hey there. And, of course, we wouldn't be in good company without an expert of all things flexible working. And that is 10 to 2 Managing Director Deborah O'Sullivan. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining us. Um, Laura, before you founded Fitty, you were working in the world of advertising. That's quite a leap. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about how that came about and, and also sort of summary what Fitty does? Absolutely. So, yes, it was quite a leap. So I worked as one half of a creative team. And every now and then you get in a brief that really excites you. But, you know, most of the time I wasn't really enjoying it. And I guess at the time I was getting really into fitness and nutrition and like full disclosure, I'm, I'm a massive geek on this kind of subject. And I'd had this idea of starting a health and fitness subscription box. And it, it just got to the point where I thought, why not? And so that's kind of how Fitty was born. Um, and I guess just to give you a bit of background, Fitty is the monthly health and fitness box. Mm. And by a box, I guess you mean like, um, you know, the, the, when, when people deliver farm vegetables once a week or whatever, is it? It's, it's, yeah, uh, that kind of thing. What you need for your week's fitness. Absolutely, yeah. So I guess our mission is to help people perform at their best, both mentally and physically. Um, and that's through nutrition and exercise. So um, that's why we create these boxes, which are full of like the hottest nutritional foods and workout products um, to help you perform at your best. So I suppose as well, I mean, we're talking about flexible working and achieving a better work-life balance. And I guess, you know, you, you would uh, be an advocate for when you have all this extra time, the best way to fill it is actually to raise your well-being through health and fitness as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, that is, that's what I'm all about. 
have you noticed though since starting your own business um you know did you notice that there was a massive increase in your workload what was that transition like from going from I mean I guess advertising is quite a high pressure job anyway isn't it yeah. but did that change for you when you started your own business absolutely I think increasing is probably an understatement um so when I started Fitty I was doing it alongside the advertising job so Fitty Essentials my bid on the side and I was kind of juggling the two And there were some pretty dark days. Um, I kind of lost all evenings, lost weekends. Um, I was incredibly stressed. Um, I became a shell of human being. And it was quite ironic because I got into Fitty because I loved nutrition, I loved working out, and I had no time to work out and just ended up eating rubbish and feeling, yeah, awful as a result. Yeah, absolutely. So um, roll the clock forward then. I mean, we're going to talk about the tech in more in-depth a little later. But let's focus on the human cost for a little longer. Um, You've now... You've pushed through that now. You've managed to get a work-life balance. Yeah. Um, you know, when was the realisation and what was the sort of uh, the human cost of, of of the guilt of saying, actually, I've, I've, got to, I've got to shed some of this? I mean, I think guilt really hits the nail on the head because at first I had this overwhelming sense of guilt. You know, if I was in the gym at midday or if I was working from abroad, just thinking, God, I, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I felt like I was almost pulling a sickie or something when actually I'd still be pulling more hours than my colleagues still working the nine to five. Um, but yet yeah, it took a long time to kind of get over that. And I think a lot of that just came through time um, and also like meeting and working with other kind of, you know, entrepreneurial types. Um and then even things like, I don't know if you've read Tim Ferriss's book, A Four Hour Work Week, but it kind of opened my mind to this this whole other world. And it was a massive, massive shift in mentality. Um, and I think, you know, looking back, the nine to five culture, it is it's really bizarre. You know, we're kind of taught that you have to be in office for these eight hours. And if you don't have work to fill it, you find work. And equally, if we were there for 15 hours, I'm sure we'd find work to fill those 15 hours. But I think looking back, you know, if you can find a way to do the same amount of work in half the time... Why, why wouldn't you? Interesting. Well, Deborah, um, let's bring you in for a moment. You, you consult with businesses of all shapes and sizes um, on flexible working. Um, how often do you have sort of experience of hearing similar worries to um, uh, Laura's, you know, am I going to get less done? Yeah, I mean, Laura's story is actually very typical of a small business, um, particularly in startup mode where people take on a task, they have their vision Um, They know how they want it to work and very quickly get quite frustrated that it's not moving fast enough. And actually, there's hundreds of other things that have to be done in order to make the business operate. Um, So lots of people go in with a fabulous idea and lots of small businesses fail because of that underlying business support infrastructure um, and that taking away from the actual proposition the business is trying to promote. Um, What's quite interesting is that we often see businesses, so um, we talk to businesses and we help businesses recruit. And what often happens is there's a pinch point, as Laura was uh, discussing, um, and the pinch point is often it'll be somebody can't do a tax return again or actually they've realised they've spent all week doing administration when they should have been talking to customers. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, are there any sort of like tips or advice or strategies, coping strategies um, to help people overcome their fears and adopt a different approaches to more productive working? So obviously we're advocates of flexible working um, in all its guises and that could be, I mean it could be anything, it could be as Laura was saying you're working from home full time, it could be a nine day fortnight, uh, part days, part weeks. Um, 
as soon as you bring in some level of flexibility into your working week, um, it allows you to think about what else you're going to do in the time you're freeing up. And um, the coaching we always give is that make use of that time. So what you tend to find is, um, I mean, Laura was talking about guilt earlier, which is a really interesting one. So workers who start working from home feel terrible guilt. It's remarkable. Um, And it's things like, well, if you're if you made the decision to work from home, then separate out your boundaries. I'm going to take a lunch break. I'm going to go for a run. Um, I will stop working at six o'clock um, so that I can spend time with my family and kids. Whatever your rules are, make sure that they are written down, they're planned um, and that you stick by them. And if it doesn't seem to be working, review it and ch- adapt it as necessary. But um, it sort of brings in some discipline into it. And I think what's really interesting about the guilt thing is that you're you know you're never going to have an empty inbox it's always going to be filling up it doesn't matter how many hours you do there's studies that show that actually when people start to work from home for the first time their productivity shoots through the roof but then there's a sort of a dropout where they realize they can't carry on with that level of productivity and so you have to take control of that um, although interestingly studies have shown that um, productivity increases uh, by about 30 percent when people start working more flexibly back to your point about they're more happy um, and happy workers um, are more productive workers okay well Nathan and Ed you guys obviously need no convincing because you've got 25 people working for you and they are all remote and working across uh, different assessment centers all over London and Reading um, was that a conscious decision on your part um, at the very beginning of A to B assessments no Um, (laughs) uh, we started with um, before we took our first we took our first office uh, small office with no windows um, and it was just Ed and I and we were doing everything so initially that was how how we how we took off Um, I think as we kind of grew and realized that we needed to have more locations um, and some sunlight and some sunlight yeah (laughs) um, that we could afford a room with windows we kind of grew a little bit and and were able to sort of bring in that more flexible working I mean I think we had in our minds the idea of working flexibly, but like the guys have said already, when we started, you, you just work all hours. Um, and you are quite productive to start with. And then you hit like a, a wall where, I mean, we, we both we, we both hit it. We just couldn't work anymore. Um, and it was almost kind of worse, I guess, than, than when we started for other people. Um, and then you have that realisation that actually you've got to split it. So we sort of tried a few different things, haven't we? We've done. Yeah, we've done. We tried doing the five hour work day. Um, which was which was Stefan Arnold from I might pronounce that wrong. Um, is this from, one of these uh, sort of productivity help books? So he runs Tower Paddleboards, and he's an entrepreneur, and he just shifted his whole workforce to a five-hour workday. Um, and we both read the article, and we we're like, "Yeah, let's try that." Um, so one of us worked in the morning, and then we overlapped for an hour. The other one worked in the afternoon, and we tried to run it like that for a while. But then, uh, as we sort of expanded we realized that that didn't quite work. We needed to be working together a lot. So then we brought someone else on board and they started working split at the start. So they were working in the morning, having a break and then coming back in the evening. So I think we've always tried to be sort of adaptable. Yeah, I mean, everybody, we've got sort of a mixed team of staff and freelance um, people and everybody kind of works different shifts. Um, So it has to obviously fit in with what the business needs, but it also fits in with what the, the team need as well because they essentially come on board to work those hours um and it changes i think that's the really important thing to remember that it doesn't stay the same the whole way through like an idea you have at the start 
very often you get to a certain point of the business as it's growing and then you realise that you actually have to do it a slightly different way and you can't really be too proud to sort of keep doing the same thing that we've done. Like as Ed said, we've had the, the five-hour splits, um, a five-hour and the split days. Um, and we kind of got to a place now where actually we've sort of ordered that a little bit at the moment. So we've got overlapping, but the days are six-hour days. So it just sort of moves about. It's strange, isn't it? Because we're kind of brought up to believe if you work hard, then you're going to be successful. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's kind of like that's counterintuitive to, to, to taking more time off. You've got 25 staff. Um, Ed, do you see sort of like uh, see the way that your staff are compared to perhaps other people working? Are they happier? Are they more productive for you? Are they more willing to go that extra mile when they need to? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think so. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's everyone's pretty free to do whatever they want, really. Um, I'll got, come and work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got so many locations that people can go into and work from, but that doesn't mean they have to go there. I mean, they can work from home if they want to or a coffee shop if they want to. Um, it's it's pretty free. That takes a lot of trust, though, Nathan, doesn't it? On your part, you've got to trust because you're paying these people good money, right? How do you know that they're actually doing the job that you're paying them for? I think that is a challenge, um, especially at the start, because when you start as a small business, you tend to do everything yourself. So you get to a point where you can't do everything yourself and you've got to bring other people on. Um, and I, you talked about was it a pinch point earlier on. Mm-hmm. And I think like, we hit that, that we couldn't do it. We couldn't do the admin. We couldn't do the actual report writing. We couldn't answer the phones. We just couldn't do it all. Um, and you recruit kind of from your inner circle, I guess, to, to start with sort of friends or friends of friends. And then you run out of friends of friends who are suitable. And then you kind of have to, to, to open up to recruiters and things like that. And yeah, there's a lot of trust. And I think you've got to accept that sometimes things don't work and you change it. And I think that's that's part and parcel of learning um, and developing. I think um, one of the things I would add is that um, working with our clients who have lots of remote workers, the key to it is is to think about what you want that person to do. So every person has got a, an, a you know, clear objectives. You you know what your expectations are. You're very clear with them about what the expectations are. And you give them the tools, um, whatever they may be, to do that job. And that's the trust. You know, the trust is I don't care when you do that work. You can do it every evening all throughout the week if you like you can do it all Sunday um, it doesn't matter as long as that job gets done and that's the attitude you guys seem to be talking about we've seen our clients do it very successfully um, but you do have to put that effort in up front to make sure you know what that person needs to do so be clear be clear on um, on the role have clarity in what your your expectations are from your staff um, how do you uh, Nathan and Ed keep everyone on the same page in terms of you know the company goals and progress because if, if, if they're all remote or at different locations is that a struggle is there any technology that you use to bring everyone together virtually yeah I mean we use um, online drives basically as our sort of source of, of sharing information and keeping communications easy between everyone so yeah I mean for us the online drive system was a, was a real godsend wasn't it we sort of stumbled across it yeah pretty much by accident really like we realized that having you know, 10 different iterations of a document wasn't really going to work because some would be working a different one. So, yeah, just really simple kind of online cloud-based system that we could all be working in at the same time just became very quickly so integral. What about the, do you have to sort of um, make make sure that, you know, obviously for data protection, GDPR, stuff like that, do you have to, do you have sort of like a set of rules in place of all your staff know what can go on those drives and what protections need to be attached to them? Yeah, obviously GDPR is a, was a huge thing that came in last May. Um, 
and for, for us we need to make sure that we we follow that um, and the great thing about the online drive is that you can essentially give people different permissions to, to access things um, you can bring in things like two-factor authentication to make sure that things are protected um, and and can't be easily accessed by people who shouldn't see them and um, Deborah do you have any experience with any sort of productivity or team management tools for remote teams like slack or um, yes. So what we find is our clients, they tend to find their own tools that work best for them. So a uh, client we've been working with lately, um, they make big use of uh, WebEx as a conferencing tool, um, Skype for business, um, uh, for instant messaging. So if you're remote and you might spend all your day in your home office, um, actually having little instant messages popping up from your colleagues saying, did you see the football last night? Or um, are you going for your lunchtime walk that you promised you were going to do? Mm. Um, that sort of thing helps you stay engaged with with your wider community. I think the video conferencing is absolutely key because the quality is so much better now than it ever used to be. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually think the barrier, there's so much tech out there that can be very, very supportive. And the barrier is that often people just are a bit scared of it. Yeah. And I guess, we're, you know, when it comes to things like teleconferencing, um, it's not just about team management. Probably a lot of um, clients and Absolutely. customers, whatever, will be happy to save the time of a journey Absolutely. and hosting you in an office or whatever. More and more, all of the global warming um stuff that's in the news at the moment you know it's encouraging people not to travel not to meet up face to face so the the teleconferencing is an ideal way i mean i appreciate you do need to because often there's nothing replaces this face-to-face um interaction but i think people are more inclined now to just accept that that's a a sensible way to do business Mm. financially and for the planet Mm. i guess as well i I mean what Nathan and Ed have exhibited there is not trying to do everything all at once. Would that be your advice? Because there is this sort of like, okay, I'm ready for change. I'm just going to do everything right now. Yes. And then suddenly you're overwhelmed by the the processes that you've got to learn. Yes, absolutely. I think um, it's a plan. The the whole thing about making a successful business and growing it is having your plan. So um, setting your vision early but reviewing it. Um, is one thing I'd always recommend because your vision at the start might not be the same in three years' time because what happens is you you can change your proposition as you are developing your business and then you realise you've actually not communicated that to your staff. So unless they're following your external communications, they they might just be a little bit behind. So, again, that team communications, having your plan and communicating and reviewing it regularly is one of the key things we would always say for business growth. Laura, do you use any specific technology or what's your sort of um, uh, setup in terms of allowing you to be more productive? So I am a huge fan of tech and tools and I I use them every day. Um, Oh, where do I start? One of the big (laughs) ones is Boomerang, uh, which is like an app that plugs into Gmail. Um, I think that's amazing. So what it does is it kind of batches my emails. So I set certain times. So I think it's three times in the day I'll have all my emails that come into my inbox. And so that stops me kind of checking throughout the day and seeing emails here and there and allows me to stay really focused on whatever it is I'm, I'm working on at the time because my mind is all over the place. So that that really helps me. Um, one of the others is called the Pomodoro Technique. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know if I'm saying it right either, um, but it's just something you bring up on your web browser and you can set different times, but it's normally an alarm goes off and you work solidly for 20 minutes, like no distractions, no looking at your phone. Uh, then the alarm goes off and you have a five minute break. 
And the idea is you have to take that five minute break. So like go away from your screen. Don't think like, oh, I'll just quickly finish this. Um, and then you go back and do another 20 minutes. And I think it's after like the third or fourth interval, you have 20 minutes or a half hour break. And I get so much done doing that because um, it just stops you kind of like frittering around. So that is something I massively rate. And yeah, I'd encourage everyone to give that a go. Laura, what other technologies do you use to try and help you be more mindful of your work-life balance? Um, so I use something called an aura ring, uh, which obviously listeners won't be able to see, but it's quite a chunky uh, looking ring on my finger. And it's supposed to be the most advanced sleep tracker. And it has not changed my life, but it's definitely improved a lot. And I think tracking sleep is so important because when you've got this hard data, I can look back and say, if I go to bed at half 10, I'm going to feel and be so much more productive the next day than if I go to bed at 11. Um, So in that sense, it does have a big impact on my life. Laura, have you found that using these simple technology devices, presumably you have, have found that, that it reduces your screen time? significantly and is that is that a large portion of the extra productivity you have that gives you the time off how's it changed your working day um it's definitely made me hugely more productive so I can squeeze in what I usually do in an eight hour day into five hours um and thing is a lot of my day will be out meeting with people um and naturally you know being in the fitness industry you might do a workout with someone and then have a coffee after so I I need to be able to squeeze what is essentially a normal eight hour day into something that's a lot less. Um, So it frees up my time. But also, I think, you know, mentally, it has a huge impact because I'm so much happier. You know, I'm not stressing out coming back from a meeting at five o'clock thinking, oh, my God, I've got another four hours work because I've already done it. And, you know, if I, you know, we were talking about earlier, you could go shopping in the middle of the day if you wanted to. And it's just having that time like back to yourself and to to doing other things. Like I always have other projects on the go. It's never just I'm solely like working on Fitty. And I think that's hugely important. People should have the time to kind of explore other things they they want to do and and things that they enjoy as well. Mm. You you agree, guys? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things we spoke about with the team recently, that most of the team have other projects and things that they're doing as well. Some own their own businesses doing other things. And it's really important that people get to kind of pursue that and are not just fitting up their chain to the desk mm. 24-7. I will feel that they can pursue that as well. Mm. Interesting. Well, Deborah, um, do you think this is going to increase as well? Because, you know, Generation Z, we talk about them in marketing terms. Yes. They, they're just sort of like a year into university at the yes. moment. Um, they are the first truly digital native generation. Yes, I, th- I think it, the pressure is going to become greater and greater. Um, the thing is, atti- changing attitudes takes time. Um, so, you know, you need forward-thinking business owners like the guys around the table um, to embrace flexible working. Technology is pushing it. Um, candidates and employees are pushing it. Um, and businesses need to just move a little bit faster, I feel. So apart from being more productive and having more spare time, are there any other benefits to your business? Or is it just a question of you are now more productive, you spend, you know, and so you're probably, your well-being is increased? I mean, you'd like to think that the customers and the clients get a better service because the people working with us are fresh and are motivated and are not overworked. Um, And I guess that comes back in the feedback that we get. It's probably a bit more difficult to, to quantify, though, but that would be the impression I would get from... Yeah, I think you can also, well, I hope that we're a lot more creative and we can come up with better ideas, future ideas and things like that because we've got more time to think about that kind of thing. And and that's the same with the core team and the core staff team as well. If they're not overworked, they can innovate and bring ideas to the table about ways of improving things. Whereas if they're working overworked, 
they're essentially knackered and, and can't. They're just treading water and trying to keep their head above water rather than actually yeah. presenting ways we can improve things. Mm. Mm. And do, have you noticed, other than being more productive and having more spare time, have you noticed any other businesses business benefits for you? Um, I think yeah. The the biggest benefit has to be you know pro- productivity leads to well ultimately it's going to have a direct impact on the business um, in terms of financials, but it's hard to kind of put any hard facts on on something like that. I mean, I guess generally employee health and wellness, it's not just a nice idea anymore. It is a bottom line issue because like Deborah said, you know, happy, healthy employees lead to a more productive, product, what's the word? Productive. Productive and profitable <laughs> business. Yeah. And building on that, um, th- there's stacks of research that says that happier employees you know, don't take so much sick absence, their mental health is better, um, that they are more loyal. So you've, you're, you're saving recruitment costs every time. So every, every employee that stays is a recruitment cost you haven't got to find. Um, the more loyalty you've got means the harder they're going to work for you. So there's, there's a whole bunch of real transferable financial things that come from having a happy workforce. And what we know is nine out of ten people want flexibility. So if you give them that flexibility, they are happier. Okay, before we wrap up, it's been so fascinating. I could probably go on all day about this, but let's let's not let's be more productive than that. <laughs> um, if you were all to give businesses um, who are looking to build a more flexible work- workforce one sort of golden rule or piece of advice, let's go around the room. We'll start with you, Nathan. Um, what would be? And it can be something we've already spoken about, but what would be the you know because we, we've given people a lot of information here. What would be the first step down the road to a more productive and um, effective working process? I think you've got to be open-minded to change and changing your process. Um, So you might have an idea, like we touched upon earlier, that this is how it worked best and it may well work great for a year. Um, But that doesn't always mean that that's how it's it's going to be the best way all the time. Mm. Um, So being able to just change how you do things. Adaptable, receptive, but open to listening as well to everyone. Wonderful. I love it. Laura? Um, I would say, well, okay, so unless you're paid on commission, there's no incentive to use time well. Like, we're not taught how. So I would say there's a level of education that needs to happen to actually show employees how to be most time effective. So bring in a technique like the Pomodoro technique, which is completely free to use, and just get people using that. And if it frees up an hour of their time, let them go early or, you know, let them spend that hour doing something like brainstorming. That's really important, actually, is to remember to give those rewards for the for the because I suppose initially as well, Deborah, it's going to be a learning curve, so it may feel like um, a counterproductive yes. move initially, right? Yes, and and I think my my advice would be to challenge the status quo. So, whatever you're currently doing. D- Think about it. Is it is it really the best way of working? And what else could you do um, that might make uh, your workforce more flexible? We've been pretty productive today, I think. <laughs> and there's absolutely no need for us to work all hours, so let's call it a day. Um, I realise what you've heard today might seem like a lot of new things to set up and nobody really likes change. Um, but if you put in the effort now, as you've heard from our guests, you're going to reap reward um, of more free time, be more productive and more successful. And don't forget, you don't need to do it all at once. Just take a step at a time um, until you work your way into new processes and make sure you reward yourself with time off 
if you've been successful at it. Uh, Restore that work-life balance. And in the words of the wonderful Laura, work smarter, not harder. I love that from your biography. Um, Thank you so much to all the great company that we've had in the studio today, to Laura Fullerton, Nathan Ampofo, Edward Boone, Deborah O'Sullivan. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure meeting you all. I've loved this discussion. If you enjoyed the episode, do give us a shout out on Twitter. You can tag us in on at BT Business and let us know what you found most useful. That's all from me, Kate Russell, in good company. For more insights, help and advice on staying productive in business, head to bt.com forward slash stay productive. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts in this series of In Good Company. Goodbye.